All right, so I'm going to give you a uh, free leadership principle that you won't find written in any book. People won't write this in a book because they don't want to admit it could be that that a, a piece of effectiveness in leadership could be something that um, doesn't involve developing a skill or being a charismatic individual, but it's just something that you just need to be smart enough to know to do. And so here it is. You'll hear it only here. Never follow anyone who was really popular. Never come in after someone has been effective. Never come in after someone has had a long-term respected role. And particularly do not try to follow anyone who was loved. Harry Truman found this to be true when he followed uh, FDR after he had been president for 12-plus years. In the first week uh, after FDR's death, Truman was uh, in a meeting, and he was giving directives to his staff, and he told somebody to do something, and the staffer kind of looked at him and kind of bowed up and said, did the president authorize this? To which Truman, and if you know anything about Truman, you can imagine this, he said, he just did. But uh, FDR, you think about all that he did to bring America out of the Depression, to lead us uh, to what already at that point looked like apparent victory in World War II. And it was, uh, his, his shadow was very long in those early days for Truman. And his, I believe the ghost of his leadership walked the White House for a long time. And so it was a, It was a tough transition in those early days. And I think about Moses and Joshua. Moses is a giant of a figure in the Bible and in the Old Testament. There is really probably no one in the Old Testament who really stands close to Moses in terms of what he meant to the nation how he was the instrument of bringing the law. You know, and it's, uh, it's phenomenal. He was uh, the son of slavery. He was uh, an escaped felon. And to uh, get away from it all, he went and became a shepherd in a faraway land. And he comes back and he stares down Pharaoh. As the instrument of God, he stares down Pharaoh. And to us, Pharaoh is a king. But in the ancient world, and particularly in the Egyptian world, like many kings, Pharaoh was actually deemed to be a god. And so for this person who came from such humble beginnings, had such questionable background, to come and be the instrument of God who stares down down the ruler of Egypt and delivers a people out of bondage into freedom. Wow. And really, he wasn't even done then. He, uh, once they're out in the, in the desert and in the wilderness, uh, he produces miracle after miracle. 
you know, they're hungry, he, produ- you know, he prays and God produces manna. They're thirsty, he strikes the rock with that staff, they get water. And he is the instrument through which God gives the Ten Commandments. And in the, the passage that Allie read for us just a few moments ago, the book is Joshua. But just in those brief verses, five times the name of Moses is mentioned. In the entire first chapter, Moses' name is mentioned 11 times. And in the book, he's mentioned over 50 times. So the shadow of Moses is, uh, is, is long, and it extends into Joshua's life as he becomes the leader. Now, I will confess that when ministers get together and we talk about pastoring and uh, particularly if anyone thinks that they might be called to a new church, one of the conversations is, oh, you don't want to follow that pastor. You want to follow a short timer. You want to follow someone who has made a mess of it. And you want to follow someone that will make you look good no matter what you do when they compare you. Now, I need to confess and, and tell you, I, I texted Steve uh, on Monday and said, uh, I'm going to mention your name Sunday, and I just feel like you ought to be prepared for that. But uh, to me, St- Steve is, uh, uh, is a little bit like the Moses figure. Long-term, well-respected, beloved, effective, and you think about the relationships that many of you had with Steve uh, over the years, yeah, it's, a tough, it's a tough thing to come in and follow Steve Davis as pastor of this church. Now, some of what I'm saying is obviously tongue-in-cheek, but I do want to make a point that um, some of the comparisons, some of the changes are absolutely unavoidable. But some of them I think we can help by just being clear about what our expectations are and what we really think about what the next pastor will be like. And let's, let's understand that if we use Moses and, and Joshua as our model as our template, we can see some things very readily. And one of the things that we see in this this Moses-Joshua transition is that they were very different people. They were very different people. Moses was a shepherd, and God uses Moses to kind of shepherd the people You know, there were a lot of times where they were reluctant. There were times where they weren't really sure they wanted to keep following, almost like a herd of sheep who weren't sure where they wanted to go. And Moses just keeps hurting them and moving them. And then Joshua comes along, and Joshua is very humble, but Joshua is a general. Joshua leads from the front. And Joshua says... Here's where we go. And I have no way of knowing how Steve and the next pastor will be different. But one thing is certain, no two people are exactly alike. And so the next person will be different 
than Steve Davis. Another thing is that Moses and Joshua come to leadership at different times. For uh, Moses, it's to lead the people. For Joshua, it is to uh, lead the people in conflict. So they need different people for the different times. Now, Steve came to be pastor here about the time I went to Rome. And so it's very easy for me to kind of gauge the way things were then compared to the way they are now. And when I went to Rome, I think I, think I was still calling my cell phone a car phone. And uh, I can promise you I had never banked or shopped on my phone at that particular time. My email address that people used to reach me at church was an AOL address. Do you realize how much things have changed? Nobody had ever heard of an iPhone. They'd never thought of Facebook or Instagram. None of that had taken place. And the next pastor that you have will essentially be the first pastor of the digital age. This person is going to come in in what I will describe as not a post-COVID world, because we really don't know what that is yet. But this person will come in in a COVID-shaped world where people have gotten used to Zoom and they've gotten used to watching worship uh, on streaming sometime later in the week if they didn't come. And that'll just be a different environment. The, uh, one of the things that uh, the Pew Research Foundation has discovered in their research of uh, the religious faith in America is what they call the rise of nuns. And uh, this is not about a Catholic order. This is about the fact that when people, when, when asked, what is your religious affiliation? The fastest growing group in America are those who reply, none. And so this is a different environment than it was in the mid-1990s. And this will require a different set of gifts and require a pastor to do different things. Now, the next pastor, I, I think, will be younger than Steve. I think that's a fairly safe assumption. And... Uh, that means that this pastor will come in and will, there's a good opportunity to have a family, and this family will be at a different life stage. And as the new pastor moves into more uh, you know, children getting older or himself getting older or whatever it may be, um, they will be at a different stage of life. They will have different friends. They will have different friends, and different friends mean associating with different people. And that can even mean that leadership in some way evolves. A wise pastor once told me one of the biggest things to look for in a transition was uh, what what was the age of the person who pastored before you? Because as you develop people that you know best, you tend to gravitate towards those people 
and they often get chosen for leadership, and some people feel like they're not appreciated anymore. And it's not that they're not appreciated as much as things just change. And so I, I want you to be aware that some of, of the changes that will come will simply be natural evolutionary changes. And I'm not advocating change for the sake of change. It just won't be the same. You put a different person into the role, the dynamics will be different. I know that every time in Rome, every time we called a minister to come join our staff, I was surprised maybe a year or two or three later when someone said to me, well, you know, I'm, I'm involved in that ministry and I always thought that that minister would be my best friend. And you, you come to realize you look at the minister, but the minister is looking at 30, 40, 50, 100, 200 or 300 different people. And it's hard to satisfy the expectations of those things with everybody. Moses had Aaron. Joshua had his lieutenants and captains in his army. It was different. It was different. But the next pastor coming to a sense of God's call to this place just as Joshua rose up to a sense of God's call in front of the people of Israel, led them to do great things, things as great, things as um, noble, things as important in their history as what Moses did. So things change. People are different. But those who will be used by God, God will use them all. So it's important that we pray. It's important that we pray. You know, this is one of those things in church where you say, now let's all pray about it. And a lot of people kind of go, yeah, we're in church. We're supposed to pray about it. But then there are moments where we stop and we realize just how critical certain things are. I mean, it's really critical that we pray for the search committee so that they can have the wisdom of God, the presence of the Spirit to come in and help them discern about the person who will be next. I, I don't know if you hear sometimes what I say when, I, when I'm praying on our behalf, but to pray for a candidate we don't even know yet, that the preparation of God would already begin so that that person would be equipped and ready to be the person that is needed the moment they arrive, the moment they arrive and can begin to lead this congregation maybe differently, but just hopefully as effectively as Steve did. And then to pray for ourselves as a congregation that our expectations would be would be the expectations that God would want for us to have for a pastor. Not our own expectations that might not be able to be fulfilled because they are just simply ours, but what our kingdom and church and community expectations are for a person who will come in and, 
and lead this church to be everything, everything it can be and that God wants it to be in the future. God made it very clear as Moses was passing from the scene. Everybody knew it was going to be Joshua. We don't know who it will be. But we do know that under the leadership of the Spirit, the thing that we are doing right now as a congregation is we are finding Joshua to come and to lead and to be God's person for the hour. Will you pray with me? Oh God, we thank you for all the the strength of Steve Davis's ministry. We thank you for the lasting impact that he has had and will continue to have for years on the life of the church and individuals here and upon the whole community. And we pray that the next person, no matter how tall, how short, no matter the color of their hair or their age or the shape of their family, no matter what their gifts might be, we pray that this person would be just as effective And just as Steve was the right person for the day in which he came, we pray that the next pastor will be the right person for this hour in the life of this church family. We ask it in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.